Hebrews chapter number 11, if you have your Bibles with you or your device to flip through or whatever it is you need. It is good to see everybody here. While you're turning there, I want to say thank you for coming back out. It's always good to see our campus church family together. And uh, thank you for uh, being here tonight. I hope, you ha- I hope you all had a great Christmas. Hard to believe that Christmas Day is over. How many of you all are very sad by that, this, this, this day is over? Several hands. How many of you all play Christmas music year-round? Like throughout the year, you don't have a problem with it. How many of y'all are normal? Uh, anybody? No, I'm kidding. I, I, I like Christmas songs here and there. Uh, but uh, it is already, Christmas has already passed, and the new year is quickly coming upon us. And so I don't know how your Christmas day went, but uh, obviously we had a chance to meet here as church family and then enjoy some family time outside of this. And my, my kids were all excited, of course, about Christmas and, and for various and sundry reasons. Uh, many of those reasons were wrapped, and um, they, they enjoyed that aspect of it. It's funny, though, because it's that, that balance between what kids desire and what parents desire. Uh, we kept hoping and praying that every package was more clothes for them so we wouldn't have to uh, you know, buy more clothes because uh, our kids are at that stage where every week they change sizes. Uh, I don't know about your kids, but uh, the kids are hoping that none of the packages are close. They, they want all the toys and the fun gadgets and stuff, but uh, the Lord provided many things, and we're grateful for that. But it was just a wonderful time to, to rejoice as a family uh, over the birth of our Savior, and uh, faith, uh, one of the traditions we've always had as a family is to read Luke 2, as many of you do on Christmas morning, and so it was fun to have my little sister there and her husband, and my, my, uh, my wife and our kids, we were over there at my parents' house, and my dad got to read it to us again. So it was just a fun day, and I hope that you enjoyed that time. And coming up on New Year's Day this week, what, a, what an unbelievable thing to realize that 2022 is just a few days away from ending, and I am still stuck in January of 2022. Uh, so it has gone by very fast, and it's just the nature of the way things go. It is another reminder, though, that we do not control time. Time comes and it goes, and that is just the way God has set it in motion, the way he designed it. I'm not sure how this year has gone for you, or many in here, it may have gone very well. It may have been filled with great moments and highlights, but for others, it may have felt as if each and every day was perhaps another punch in the gut or another dreary day. It may have been filled with great joy or overwhelming sorrow. You may have dwelt on the mountaintop, or you may have rarely seen light in a dark cave. The variety of the year that we have all had can, can vary greatly. But through it all, my question for you tonight is, how is your faith? I don't mean that intellectual faith that you understand and know that there is God. But how is your faith? Has it been deepened because of what took place this year? If it's the same, then perhaps it's time for some evaluation as we head into the new year. Is God greater to you because of who he is Or are you uncertain of what he is doing because you just don't know where to look? The Bible says that faith pleases him. And so another question for us to consider is, is he pleased with us? What is faith? We we have this description here in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know that to be the biblical definition there. The Bible says that it is something that we can't necessarily see, but we know it to be true. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders said of faith that it enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Faith is that which looks to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that which rests upon fact. 
And if we would drop down to verse number six with me, the Bible says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Let's pray very quickly. Father, tonight we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a church family. And I pray that you'll help settle our hearts for just a few moments. The busyness of this season, the busyness of all that's taken place, perhaps uh, we still are dealing with family in town or we've come back from a trip, maybe we're tired. Lord, I pray that you'll just gather our hearts and our minds to your word tonight and help us to examine this this uh, topic of faith in your word. Help us to take inventory of where we're at as we finish this year that you've blessed us with and anticipate the year that is to come. And Lord, regardless of what is to come, may our hearts and minds be focused on you. Thank you for allowing us to gather together. Thank you for your word. Be glorified in this time. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Since God is pleased by faith, as it says here, uh, it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must understand there is absolutely no other possible way to please God. Romans 14, 23 states that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So therefore, we obviously are not wanting to sin. So we must do everything through faith. In Hebrews eleven six, as it talks about that which is pleasing to God, we must understand that faith is in the who that directs us, not in the where that he leads us. It's very easy to look at circumstances and look at the direction we may be going and say, I don't understand what's taking place. I don't know if I want to take this next step, but please understand that our faith is in the who, not the where, or even the what. There's a few things I want to point out tonight through this chapter, if I may, that I believe as we look at this idea of pleasing God, what are some things that please God? Number one, I want us to understand this. When we make God the focus of our faith, God is pleased. When we make God the focus of our faith, God is pleased. Look with me at verse 6 again. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When Christ is the object of our faith, the focus of our faith, he is pleased with what he sees. Let's break this down. There's a few words in here I want us to understand tonight. The first word is cometh. It means to draw near to, 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 to get closer to intentionally. We know the Bible says in the book of James that if we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. And so as we look at this life of faith, what is a faithful life looking like? It is one that is drawing near to God. Another word in here is believe. It means to have faith in. We know that word very simply, but it also means to credit. So in other words, for he that cometh to God must believe or must give credit to the fact that he is. And with that belief, we know we can move forward with this simple statement, he is. It means to exist. And it's used here in the emphatic sense. It's not just a, yeah, I guess God is. You know, it's a very emphatic God is. And in your life, please understand this, that the Bible is not giving this for debate. It's not one of those, if you would believe, we hope you believe, or you can consider this to be truth. The Bible states it dogmatically that God is. The very word of God starts out with, in the beginning, God. He is establishing a principle for us so that we understand that faith is in the who that directs us. Faith is grounded upon fact that God is existing in Exodus chapter number three, God emphasized he is the I am. I love that name for God because it is such an all-encompassing, powerful word. It is describing his uh, eternal past and his eternal future, his action, his action in everyone's life from the very beginning of creation 
to the end of time. In Exodus chapter 6, he goes through, as he's preparing the nation of Israel, he goes through several things talking about what he's provided and what he's done to help them understand. And he says this so that in chapter 7, verse 5 of Exodus, that Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Later on, he says that thou shalt know that I am the Lord. That he is the Lord in the midst of the earth. Another verse later says that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. You see, God repeatedly throughout the scriptures emphasizes his existence. But Hebrews eleven six doesn't just want us to understand that he is, although that is a very valuable, important truth. It is a foundational truth to this idea of faith. But he also wants us to understand that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The phrase diligently seek means to seek out or to do so in an investigative manner. To seek out for oneself. It even means this. It means to crave. I don't know about you in Christmas dinner or lunch or supper or whatever you had. I, I don't know what the traditions are for you. But, but uh, our family likes meat. It doesn't matter which family I'm with. It could be. My wife's side of the family or my side, but meat must be involved. That's the way God intended it. And uh, we certainly enjoy it. And I tell you, as the food is being prepped and prepared and all those things, we, we enjoy being able to have the smells, but it makes me want to crave the meal that we're going to have. And all of us have enjoyed that opportunity for something that we crave. It could be a treat. It could be a snack. It could be a meal. It could be uh, perhaps you're thirsty and it's just a simple cold glass of water. But that craving causes us to, to be earnest about grabbing a hold of. The word crave here, we would understand it to mean it, to ask with earnestness, to beseech, to beg, to ask with humility or submission as a dependent. And I would ask you, is your faith so deep that you realize your dependency upon God? That you crave him in such a way that it allows your faith to deepen and to grow no matter what circumstances may come your way? Are we diligently seeking him? In Mark chapter 15, Joseph craved the body of Jesus. In, in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 27, David said this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. It was a craving, it was a passionate desire that led to his pursuit. He said, The face of the Lord will I seek. And throughout Psalms, we have messages, verses mentioned, Seek the Lord and his strength. The strength, seek his face evermore. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Matthew 6, a familiar passage to all of us, but seek ye first. In other words, crave and go after that which you're craving. John Phillips states that faith begins by grasping this one great basic essential fact. There is a true and living God. The Bible does not begin by seeking to prove that God is, but simply states it is an incontrovertible fact. Having grasped this fundamental fact, faith goes on to believe that God is a beneficent, gracious, loving, rewarding God who reaches out eagerly to encourage, help, and reward those who seek him. Our faith must be focused on who God is and understand that is to be the sole focus. Number two tonight, I want us to see this. God is pleased when we obey him in the known and trust him for the unknown. Obey God in the known and trust him in the unknown. If you're in, still in Hebrews chapter 11, go down with me to verse number eight. The Bible says this, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. 
I love the fact that there is a description of the situation in Abraham's life. He, he went out not knowing where he was supposed to go. And, of course, you can uh, look at the humorous times that men don't ask for directions or they don't have the right information they need to a, a arrive at the place they're supposed to. But no doubt, I, I would imagine there was some confusion when Abraham went back to Sarah and said, hey, I don't know uh, what we're doing, but we're supposed to leave. And the, due to the details needed at times, where are we going? I don't know. Let's just go. That wouldn't necessarily work, perhaps, in your home. But here in this home, it was Abraham stepping out in obedience. You see, the only instruction that Abraham knew was to leave home. And he obeyed. I circle that word obeyed in my Bible because it stands alone. Obviously, we know punctuation wasn't added until later. But it stands alone as the most important word in this verse. He obeyed. God loves when we obey. There are several things he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going, but we see that this was a level of, a step of obedience that helped his faith get to a new level. If we drop down very quickly to verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Can I tell you this tonight? I don't believe that Abraham would have offered up Isaac had he first not been able to obey and take that first step in something much smaller. You see, what God may be doing in our life is taking us to a place of comfort and a place where we're at ease and things are going the right way. And we say, I'm living by faith. And we can say that oftentimes when it's easiest when we're on the mountaintop. But in order for us to get to verse 17 in our life, there has to be a verse number eight. We have to obey. J. Vernon McGee says this, walking by faith will cause all of us to recognize that as children of God, we are just pilgrims and strangers down here on this earth. We look at the situations around us, we look at all those things that we hold dear, and we must understand that while God has blessed us, we must not uh, hold on to those so much so that we become so earthly-minded, we, no we are of no heavenly good. We know the story in Genesis 22, as Abraham was told by God to go and take his only son. We know that he had Ishmael, but this was the, the son that God had promised the future seed through. And he told Abraham to go and offer his son Isaac. I don't know about you, but that certainly would have been a very difficult task to even ponder, to consider. Something far less happened in the life of Jonah. Jonah was just simply told to go, and he ran. Abraham here, though, obeyed. Understand this. When God says to go, don't worry about the where. Take the first step, and the remaining steps will always be revealed in God's perfect timing. I don't know what you're facing, what you faced this last year or what you're facing in 2023. But I do know this, that there is a faithful, loving God that has a plan in place and a desire for you to be obedient to him. As we step out in faith and obey, we will be able to see our faith built as we watch God work. In verse number 19, it says this about Abraham. It says that, uh, go to verse 18, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, 19 says, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. I want you to stop and think about this aspect tonight that Abraham up to this point probably hadn't seen a story or heard of anybody that had been risen from the dead. Yet because he was so deep in his faith with the Lord, he was able to say accounting. He was able to account it to God's uh, account and because it's a, it's a factual thing, it's a list of, of facts. That's what our faith is grounded upon. It's fact that, that God exists and that as you were water of them that diligently seek him. The word accounting is a, is a finance term. It means to take inventory or to estimate. Based on all that Abraham had seen God do before, Abraham was able to step out by faith. 
You see, he obeyed once before and saw God provide, and no doubt he obeyed other times. And sure, he messed up, and, and, and just like any of us, we, we, we falter, our faith fails at times, and we make the mistakes of taking control of our own actions. But Abraham still did what was right, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And he stepped out in faith saying, hey, listen, I don't know why God is asking me to do this necessarily. I don't know why I should leave home. This is all I've ever known. He had comforts of home. He had the comfort of family nearby. But he said, there's something else out there that God wants me to do and I'll obey. And that all helped build up to the point where God says, sacrifice your son. And the Bible says in verse number 17, it's an interesting phrase there. Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Now, we know that Abraham didn't literally physically offer up Isaac, but God counted his obedience as completing the task. Sometimes we hesitate to obey what God may want for us because we're afraid of what we might give up. What we might, we're afraid of what might happen if we say, okay, I will, I'll step out in faith. But understand that Abraham didn't lose anything. Yet God used him as an example of faith. The act was already completed in God's sight because Abraham stepped out by faith and was willing to do, and God's merciful hand stayed and, was, uh, and allowed Isaac to live through that. God is delighted by the, friend, by the trust and obedience of his dear friend. We know Abraham was called a friend of God, and his faith pleased God. We see this as teaching the principle that the worship of God leads to obedience to God. If we truly say we worship God, if we say that we desire to, to worship him and, and to uh, walk close to him, then it ought to lead us to uh, a step of obedience to whatever God may say. It doesn't mean we don't have moments where we don't uh, question. I think God delights in the questions that we might have to him if we don't question necessarily his character. But to ask why is, is not a harsh thing. But please understand that if God chooses not to answer that why, that he still has a plan in place. We are all going to experience problems at different levels. But if we walk by faith, God will see us through. Understand this also, that our act of faith will also teach those that we follow, or that we lead, those that follow us. By faith, Abraham in verse number 17, but look down at verse number 20, by faith, Isaac. Do you think Isaac remembered that situation on the mount? Do you think Isaac was familiar with that, that memory? Do you think uh, when, when we were up, they were going up the mountain, he says, hey, hey, dad, where's the, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, of course, prophetically says God himself, God will provide himself a lamb. What do you think as they got closer to the mountaintop, Isaac may have been a little bit like, okay, I'd like God to provide it real quick. Because he's looking around and he probably figured Abraham wasn't going to be the sacrifice. But yet Isaac was able to see his faith increase and later on, he is listed as having the faith. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. You go on, Isaac to Jacob. Jacob, in verse number 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. You see, this continues to trickle down. And then, of course, the last one of those four is Joseph. What a, what a family heritage, huh? Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. And we know that Joseph, the testimony he had in the book of Genesis laying the groundwork for the nation of Israel to, to, to be saved and to bring glory to God and, and through all that took place there. But would Joseph have been able to do that had Abraham not stepped out by faith? We must understand that we must obey God in the known and trust him for the unknown. I found this to be true in my own life when I 
when I fail that I like to figure things out as best I can. Okay, I'll do this if I can know the end result or if I can see what's to take place next. And sometimes we, we try to be the ones that go from step one to step 33. We want all the steps in the middle figured out so we can continue to progress. But do you, think of, do you realize that the people in Scripture would not have followed God had they known what the end result were going to be? What was it that God told Ananias in Acts chapter 9? He says, you're going to meet a man named Saul and I'm going to tell him what great things he's going to suffer for my namesake. Do you think Paul wanted to sign up for that? But no, he didn't. He, he simply stepped out in faith. He stepped out and decided that what God was going to do was going to be a far greater reward than what he could have had on his own. So when God asks you for an unknown, when God asks you for something that you're not aware of, go back and take inventory of God's faithfulness. Go back and, and examine all the things that God has done in your life and, and take note of that and recognize that if he's been that faithful and he doesn't change, he's always the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you can certainly step out in faith again. This also affects our homes. How's my home? How is your home? How are your children seeing God? Maybe you say, well, I have adult children and they're on their own now. No, please understand that what they do in their home is a reflection of what they saw in your home. And I have to step back a little bit with fear and nervousness at the times that I failed and my kids may have seen me. May we be faithful to obey in the known and trust God for the unknown. Number three tonight, I want us to see this. I believe God is pleased with a life of faith when we choose what's best over what's good. When we choose what's best over what's good. What is good can actually be a bad thing if we forsake what's best. The right choice isn't always the easiest one. Drop down with me to verse number 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right there, that ought to tell you that this story is becoming very intense. He's, he's rejecting a great opportunity in his life, perhaps to become the next Pharaoh. Or at the very least, one of the greatest leaders in Egypt. Verse 25, choosing rather. I marked that phrase in my Bible, those two words. Because there is a choice between two things. Any choice you make is a choice between two or more things. Instead of choosing what was convenient, instead of choosing what was comfortable, instead of choosing what may have been seen by the friends and the world around him as the most logical step, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's a tough choice to make. No, no doubt he didn't recognize perhaps all the things that were going to take place. And I have to imagine perhaps in those 40 years in the desert that, that there were times that came up, maybe he said, boy, I wish I was back in Egypt. Life was pretty comfortable there. I had everything I wanted. Now I'm on the backside of the desert, which means the middle of nowhere, with sheep. Not the most ideal dream. Of, you don't find that on VRBO, okay? It's, it's the backside of the desert. And he's maybe thinking, hey, I escaped the punishment of that man I killed. But, but boy, oh boy, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Nothing seems to be happening. But please understand that as our life goes on, God is always directing and guiding steps. What Moses may have seen as 40 years doing nothing in the middle of nowhere, God was shaping him for that burning bush that was planted for him. An innocent little bush that for a moment in time would hold the presence of God as God talked to Moses. 
He refused riches and chose affliction. He forsook Egypt and followed God. But his growing faith allowed for greater miracles. It doesn't mean that God won't perform miracles, but when our faith is increased, it's an opportunity for us to see God doing bigger and greater things for his glory. If you go down with, to, with me to verse number 29, it says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Of course, you know the nation of Israel, uh, Moses leads them out of Egypt, and they pass through the Red Sea. And talk about faith. When the, when the nation of Israel was panicking, and they say, Oh, the e Egyptian army is upon us. What do we do? Who was the one that went to the edge of the Red Sea and, and uh, held out the staff? It was Moses. His faith had increased to the point that what was simply obeying God to go back to Egypt to rescue the Israelites became the faith to stand and say, stop and see the salvation of the Lord. And we see that's what happened. Verse number 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Please know that, that Moses was not there for the walls of Jericho coming down. But it was attributed into the timeline of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 because he helped set a pattern of deepening the faith of those that followed him. What they saw Moses believe in, they eventually believed in. Jericho was an impossibility on all scales. Nothing about Jericho should have been easy to conquer. In fact, the Israelites, even for the greatest of armies, would have been a, uh, Jericho, even for the greatest of armies, would have been a difficult task. But here's the Israelites a wandering people, just now getting into the promised land that God had given them. But understand, when we are facing an impossibility, that is exactly where faith triumphs. It triumphs in the different, excuse me, it triumphs in the impossible. Where our logic and reasoning would try to figure it out in human terms, God has a different plan. Can you imagine the Israelites' response when they were told, we're going to conquer this, this city Jericho, I bet you there was some excitement, you know, the good versus evil thing, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, let's do this. How are we going to do it? We're going to walk around the city seven days. Think about that. Would you have had enough faith to go do that? How about the people on the walls of Jericho looking down at the Israelites walking around? Do you think they probably got a kick out of that? A great number of people, but all they're doing is walking around. But understand that where our logic and reasoning ends, it makes no sense, God says, now I can work. Notice that faith triumphs where it's impossible, but notice also that faith triumphs after we're obedient. Our faith increases when we step out in obedience and see God do what God wants to do from the very beginning. The more we step out in obedience, we're able to see God work and our faith increases for the next level that God has us for. Jericho fell after those seven days, and the Israelites grew in their faith. Unfortunately, we know the next step, the next city of Ai, they were defeated because of their pride. But may our, may our rejoicing, may our faith be deepened in who God is and what he continues to do. Only through obedience in God's word did Israel see God work, and only through obedience in God's word will we see him work in our lives. But we can't obey because of what we have already seen God do. In my short life, lifetime, I can look back over, over those years and see God's hand continue to guide and direct. I know there's many of you that have far greater stories and testimonies of, of God's provision and God's blessing, God's protection, God's healing through heartache and sorrow. But may we all make the choice now that we will set the pattern for those we lead later. 
May we make a decision here as we finish 2022 and we head into 2023. May we say now, I'm going to step out by faith and do more for God's glory in 2023. I want to see God work greater in my life and understand that that may take some pain and suffering. It may be on the mountaintop, but it also may be in the valley. But may we be faithful to recognize that God is faithful. Finally tonight, I want us to see this. Number four, we must... We can please God when we allow God to be seen through us. Go towards the end of Hebrews chapter number 11 very quickly. I want to see a character mentioned, some characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews that maybe don't appeal to us because of their name. But the reality is their testimony was, was a great one. Verse number 35, we know the story of all the, 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 the faithful that went before. We have it in verse, uh, actually in verse number 31, Rahab. In verse 32 of, of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And you can go on. And there were others that went through all those things. There were others that escaped in verse 34, the edge of the sword. Verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, which was the most common means of execution back then. They, they were sawn asunder. Church history records that, or biblical history records that Isaiah was one of those that was put into a hollow log and was sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. Interesting to think that in in verse number 34, there were some that escaped the edge of the sword by faith. In verse number 37, there were some that were slain by the sword, but all in faith. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. But you know what? The others had a great testimony. You and I may not know the names of the others, but we understand that God knows them. And God was able to reap great glory because of the faithfulness of others. 25 times in the Hebrews chapter 11, the word faith is mentioned in some form, faith, faithful. And it's all to point to a God that is always the same. God is faithful to you and I. And when we give testimony of these others that gave, uh, they gave their life, they were faithful, they, they endured till the end, not because of what they could have had, but because there was something far better. Verse number 40, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. We don't know the others, but heaven's full of them. I look forward to the day we can meet the others. Can I ask you this? Are you willing to... Step out in obedience and be faithful. Are you willing to please God with your life and be one of the others? It's easy in the world we live in to make a name for ourselves, to brand ourselves, to be seen as something fabulous. But the reality is we're taking glory away from God when we make it about ourselves. Do we, do we allow God to be seen through us, which brings glory to him and increases our faith? How do I know that God was pleased with them? Look at the testimony in verse number 38 of whom the world was not worthy. That phrase there means that the value that these others held, the world could not even come close to attaining to. Are you willing to have a price on you that is of so much more value than the world could ever understand? Are you willing for God to, to hold you valuable? And you say, well, listen, I don't, my, nobody knows my name. God does. 
There's a lady that in a previous ministry we served in, her name was Eva. And uh, I went over with one of the other staff guys one time to be a blessing to her and her husband. They were elderly and her husband was, was very ill. And we went to be a blessing. And, and uh, one of those visits, pretty much every visit I go on, by the time I leave, they were a blessing to me. Far more than I was a blessing to them. Shortly after that, her husband Jonathan passed away. And, and uh, for many years, she, she remained faithful to the church. And Eva would come up to me every, every service and she'd say, Pastor Ken, I'm praying for you. And I, of course, you know, just say, thank you, Miss Eva. Thank you so much. And uh, sure, there were many times it was easy for, for me to, to just go on to the next thing because of the busyness of a church schedule. But Eva was faithful to always say, I'm praying for you. And, and then she got to meet my wife and she goes, I'm praying for your wife more now. So thank you. I don't know what that means, but thank you. Eva was always faithful. I remember as she entered into the gates of glory, I'd seen her a few days before. She was very sick. And I went to try to be a blessing to her, and she said, you know, I still pray for you every day. Eva was one of those people, her and her husband, Jonathan, tremendous prayer warriors. I, I have the privilege of, of being able to have one of her Bibles that she had for many years, and it's in my office, and I get to look through it sometimes and just see those, in the shaky handwriting, those notes that she put as the Lord spoke to her through a message. And I like to think that I'm going to get to heaven one day, and God's going to say, hey, where's Ken? Bring Ken up. Ken, Ken's great. Ken's done a lot of good work. Boy, I want to make sure Ken gets rewarded, but I'm pretty confident that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be passed by the little Miss Eva and her husband, Jonathan. And they're going to hear from God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, people like that, they are the others. They're the ones that may not have the, the, the brightest testimony or the loudest testimony. They may not have that which, which we would say, boy, I want to write a book about that. But can I tell you this? They have probably impacted eternity far more than I could ever dream of doing. Are you willing to impact eternity for someone where nobody would ever know your name? except for that person you changed eternity for. Could you imagine if we got to heaven and we're just, I don't know how it's going to be like, it's going to be so glorious and wonderful, but as we're up there, someone's going to come by and say, thank you for what you did. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for not caring about your name being known because of your faithfulness in giving. I was able to hear the gospel around the world. Because of your faithfulness in praying, I came to know the Lord as my Savior. I think of my sister-in-law that after 16 years of my mother-in-law praying and my wife and her twin sister praying and all of us praying after 16 years, she comes to know Christ as her Savior. She brought it up in conversation too. That's the, that's the real good ones. You know, they come to you and say, I need to be saved. You know, that whole thing. The, 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 the faithfulness of, of just saying, I'm going to commit to whatever God wants because I don't know what 2023 holds. In fact, we've got a few days left. We may never see 2023. But if God tarries and God allows us to have 2023, how's your faith? Is it singularly focused on who God is, not on the circumstances around us? Because trust me, the circumstances can get dark at times and they can get great at times. And the circumstances, uh, they fluctuate, they go up and down, but God is faithful and God is the same. And our faith can be grounded in the fact that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How is your faith? Finishing 2022 and going into 2023. And you may say, you don't know what I've been through. 
You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know the decisions that I have to make. You don't know the heartache that I have dealt with. You don't know any of the things that I am dealing with on a daily basis. You're exactly right, I don't. But God does. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So as we finish 2022, take inventory of what took place. Every day may have been absolutely miserable. And I don't, I don't criticize that at all for you. I don't know all that. I know many of us at times we put on a brave face and we smile and we come to church putting on the facade a little bit so we can get through the service. For others, everything went well for you. But without faith, it's still impossible to please him. Whether it was good or bad, whether it was mountaintop or valley, whatever it is, may you live in faith. Is your, is your faith singularly focused? Is it focused on who God is? Are you willing to obey God in the known and trust him for the unknown? Not obey God in the known and not do anything else until he tells you more, but obey him and then trust him. Are you willing to choose what's best over what's good? And are you willing to serve and be one of the others so that he can be glorified?